That brings us to the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah. Now, we know the story very well. And we know that Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh. Now, I grew up listening to a, an old record. You know, those circular, those black circles with a hole in the middle called a record. Now, we have a record player. Uh, Kelly's old record player went out, but they've kind of gone retro in some of the stores. You can buy a retro-looking record player, but, of course, it's modernized. And so we bought one, and so we got out some of our old records. Now, my dad had hundreds and hundreds of, of records. And my poor mom, after my dad passed away in 2008, I mean, she must have spent hours upon hours, and I'm sure she still has some of them. But I grew up listening to a, a Baptist ventriloquist and one of my favorite stories, this, this Baptist evangelist, he was a ventriloquist, and one of my favorite stories was Jonah and the whale. And uh, I love that. I love that. I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't, see, I couldn't see that far into the, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's moving on the, on the album cover, though. <laughs> But that was one of my favorite records, and I've played it at our house, and the kids, they probably just roll their eyes. But uh, that, is such a, that has been such a, a fun record to go back and listen to. And uh, it was Wally, and the, Wally was the dummy, and it was Wally and the whale. So Joan and the whale, but it was Wally and the whale. And uh, the, the, the Baptist evangelist uh, would, would talk through Wally, and they would have a conversation, and they would tell the whole story. Had so much fun listening to that. But there were some great principles that that evangelist uh, drew out of that, that fun little uh, story event. And we know that this is more than just a story. I use the word story, but I like to be careful because this is not Aesop's fables kind of stories. This is not fiction. This is fact. This is an event, a historical event with great meaning. And God recorded it for us in the Holy Scriptures. And so we know he was called to go to Nineveh, and he rejected, he rebelled, he refused to go when God told him to go. As a matter of fact, he went the other way, and he got on a ship, and God sent a storm, and they began to throw everything off the ship. They were praying to their false gods. Jonah finally admitted that it was him that was the cause of the the storm, and said, if you throw me overboard, then God may choose to spare you. And sure enough, uh, they threw him overboard. The storm ceased, but Jonah was swallowed by the great fish. We often refer to the great fish as a whale. More than likely it was, but we're not absolutely uh, certain. But nevertheless, it was a whale or a fish big enough to swallow a grown man. And that brings us to Jonah chapter number 2. And actually, we can back up to verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then, of course, Christ would use the example of Jonah to speak of Jonah being a sign, the three days and the three nights being a sign or symbolic of the three days and three nights that Christ would be uh, in the grave before he, he rose again. But verse 1 of Jonah 2. 
Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So we see in this prayer, as we have studied the armor of God, and we have taken some extra time on prayer, that's not specifically uh, identified with a Roman soldier in a piece of armor, but nevertheless, we know how important prayer is in our Christian warfare, and spiritual warfare, in our Christian life. So we have taken some extra time to look at prayer, and this is one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. Just a handful of verses, about seven, eight, maybe nine verses long. And what, what, powerful, what a powerful prayer Jonah prayed from the belly of a whale. And I cannot imagine the stench. I cannot imagine the types of things that he was experiencing. What other materials that that whale, that great fish, had swallowed. And then you have all the stomach acids and juices and everything else. It was a very disgusting place, I'm sure. And that is Jonah's crisis, obviously caused by his rebellion. He, he should have never been in this position in the first place. He should have gone to Nineveh. He should have obeyed the Lord. But now he is praying from Sheol. He is praying from what is translated as hell. In verse number two, in the Old Testament, that is the word Sheol. And based on the context, that's either literally hell, the place of eternal punishment, or it is simply a reference to the grave. Jonah, I do not believe, went to hell while he was in the belly of that whale, that great fish. He's saying that he cried out from the grave, from the place that would have been his grave, the place that would have been his burial place where he would have died. And under most natural circumstances, he would have died there had it not been for the miracle of God, the supernatural act of God who spoke to the fish and it puked him up onto the shore. Now, I wouldn't have wanted, I wouldn't have wanted to be there to see that happen. But we've known some places have experienced some beached whales and uh, they've had to try to keep them wet and try to get them back out into the ocean. But uh, he apparently came close enough to shore uh, in the belly of that whale, that great fish, and it, it vomited, vomited him out onto the shore. And uh, I just, I mean, I cannot imagine all that Jonah went through, but in that place, he cried out to the Lord. And it was a place of consequence. It was a place of punishment. It was a, a place where 
where, where God was dealing with Jonah for his sin of rebellion. But it reminds us of God's love for the whole world because where was Jonah called to go? To Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians. These were wicked, ungodly people. Jonah did not like these people. Jonah did not want to go and preach to the Ninevites. Why? Because he knew God was a merciful God, a compassionate God. Though Jonah understood the judgment of the Lord, and as a matter of fact, Jonah wanted to see the judgment of God. Jonah wanted the Ninevites to all die and go to hell forever. In Jonah's own heart and mind, originally, he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God could save them. Now, I'm sure there were some natural fears and some anxieties because most of us wouldn't want to go to a place of heathen, ungodly, violent people and preach a message, preach the gospel of judgment. But that was Jonah's message. Go to the Ninevites, these wicked, ungodly, violent people, heathens, and preach God's judgment. Jonah's message of the gospel was one that emphasized the judgment of God that was coming. They had to turn to God. They had to turn to Christ, looking ahead to the cross. And the message was that of judgment. But it reminds us that God loves the world. And even in Old Testament days, when the primary instruments, the primary people that God was using to take the gospel to the world was the Jews in that dispensation, in that time. Even then, we see that God loved the Gentiles, that God had a purpose, that God had a plan to even save the Gentiles. Peter had a hard time with that, didn't he? God had to teach him an important lesson in that dream and that vision that one night and lowering the blanket with the different meats. And Peter was saying, no, Lord, I can't take of those. I'm a good Jew. And, of course, he was calling Peter to go to Cornelius, and that group of Gentiles got saved. So it's always been part of God's plan, the power of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. And I'm thankful because I don't know, there could be someone here who was a Jew that I just don't realize, but I have a feeling that all, all of us are Gentiles. And I'm thankful that God had a plan to save the Gentiles, or I wouldn't be here today. We also are reminded that God can save even the worst sinners. Again, the Ninevites were wicked, cruel, violent people. They were ungodly heathens. God even loves those kinds of people, and that's what we would be if not for the grace of God. God can save even the worst sinners. And God commands us to be witnesses. We are facing a culture today where our evangelism, our witnessing, is going to be more and more to people who look more like the Ninevites. That's just going to be the nature of our evangelism today. It's not a pretty world in which we live. Most of our evangelism is going to be to the down and outers, to the people who are dealing with all kinds of issues. And it's now in their teens and their 20s even. Teens are exposed today because of the media and because of the headlines and because of the things that are talked about so openly and freely. There are things that teenagers and young people are learning about and hearing about 
and having to deal with subject matters that I even, as a 40, almost 48-year-old man, I'm still shocked sometimes, and it, it, it's being, it's sad because it's less and less shocking and surprising, though it still is shocking and surprising at some of the things that are talked about in the headlines. And people are just so openly just trashy in their subject matter. And our young people have to d- deal with it. And, and it's, it's disgusting. But that means that we are in a world in which our evangelism and our witnessing is more and more going to have to deal with people who have a lot of baggage, who have a lot of issues, but they're very needy people. They're looking for answers. They're empty. They're finding out now, in, even in their mid-20s, after they've experimented and tried all kinds of different things, that life is empty without God, and they're searching for answers. Another Hollywood actor or actress, I forget the, the name, it was, a, it, was a, it was a celebrity, 41-year-old celebrity, another 41-year-old celebrity committed suicide. And there was another headline as I was reading, I, didn't, I had never heard of the guy, but he's 41 years old, he was part of some TV show, he was a celebrity, and then there was another headline uh, nearby that said, this is a pattern that we're trying to find answers for. Why are all these young celebrities dying? Of, the similar, of similar types of deaths of despair, drugs and alcohol and violent car wrecks because of drugs and alcohol of all kinds in their system and they're destroying houses as they're driving down the road and blowing up houses, driving 90 miles an hour with drugs and alcohol pumping through their system. I mean, it's, it's just incredible uh, what, what we see now. People need the Lord. We have, we have such a privilege and a, and a mercy and a grace from God that, that we sit here as saved people and we must never get over uh, our salvation, but it should burden us to reach the lost because there are so many needs. People are crying out for help and the Bible has the answers. God expects us to obey his commands. God was, excuse me, Jonah was expected to obey. God didn't say to Jonah, now Jonah, if you really feel like it, you know, if you're really having a good day, could you take a little bit of your spare time and kind of swing by Nineveh and, you know, uh, share a little bit of the gospel with them? And, and without getting too much on a rabbit trail, did God say to Jonah, hey, go Jonah, uh, Jonah, go, go to Nineveh and throw a, throw a Christian rock concert and call for an invitation? Is that what he did? Did he say, hey, Jonah, um, go entertain the Ninevites. Go find out what the Ninevites really enjoy. And then maybe you can appeal to them as heathen, ungodly, idolaters, and immoral reprobates. Find out kind of what works for them. And then you can kind of sneak in this whole thing about judgment and about hell. And, 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 and maybe talk them into salvation being from the Lord after you kind of figure out what works and what appeals to them and, and what, what might help satisfy their, their feelings, make them feel pretty good about themselves, and then you know, maybe you could introduce the, the, the fiery judgment of God and the gospel to them. Is that how we approach them? He walks into the city of Nineveh and he says, you are all going to die and go to hell if you don't trust in the Lord now. If you don't get saved now. And God did a revival in Nineveh. If God could do a revival in Nineveh, could he not do a revival in Lafayette and West Lafayette and in 
uh, our, in America today, in our nation? Yes, he can. He can do it. And it could be one of us that God calls to go into a place that's hard and difficult and to just share the gospel. And we can be that tool, that instrument from the Lord to give the gospel and to see God do a great and, and, and mighty work. And God expects us to obey. God says do it, and he gives us the power to do it, and he just expects us to do it. And uh, we've had to teach our kids. I mean, we're not the best at it, but I've, I've grown up. I've been taught to do a, a job completely and do it sweetly and to do it right away. So quickly, sweetly, and completely. And that's how I was taught growing up. And if I didn't finish the job, if I didn't blow the grass clippings off the sidewalk, I still remember my dad. I mowed the yard of a guy over in Speedway. He was an older retired gentleman who my dad worked with. And I had the, the privilege of mowing his yard. Now, at the time, I didn't always see it as a privilege. But I, I recognize it now as a privilege. And Mr. Benson was his name. I can still remember. It was right there by the Eagledale Little League, and it was right there on the corner, and I mowed the yard uh, every week or every two weeks for this, this gentleman. And uh, he, he, pay, he paid me you know, well for, for that, that time. And I still remember I didn't take the lawnmower or, or take the broom and sweep off the, the sidewalk in the driveway. I left, I left grass clippings. And what did my dad do? My dad drove through Speedway on his way home from work and checked to see if I had done a good job on the yard. And I, he came home from work that day and he looked at me and he said, you did not clean the grass clippings off the driveway or the sidewalk at Mr. Benson's house, did you? Uh, no, Dad, I didn't. You will do that every time you mow the yard. To this day, I mow and I think of that conversation with my dad and I go out and I blow the sidewalk in the, in the driveway or... Okay, because I, I'm supposed to finish the job. I'm supposed to do the job completely. And Jonah was called, and God gave him the power, and God gave him the ability, and Jonah went, and I'll admit, he, you, you read the book of Jonah, and he did the job, and he did it completely. Now, he did it at the end, we find, with a little bit of a bad attitude still, but we, we find that Jonah went, and he obeyed, and, the, and God brought revival, and he finished the job. He should have done it right away. He went through a difficult time to finally obey. But God gave him the power, and Jonah finished the job. He went through the city of Nineveh and preached the gospel. And God saved those heathen people in one of the greatest revivals probably in history. And then we're reminded in Jonah's crisis that God hears us. God hears us even from the places of our deepest misery. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Sometimes we create the biggest messes, don't we? We get ourselves in the biggest predicament, and sometimes it's not even because of choices that we made. It's just the way God has orchestrated in his providence our lives, and we're in the biggest predicament. We're in the deepest place of our misery, and yet God still cares. God still knows. God still wants to hear from us, and we can still pray out. We can still pray to him. We can still lift our, our, our voices to him. And God sees us. God knows us. Even in our deepest places of hurt and pain and misery. I think of Hagar out there in the desert crying out, thinking that she was going to die. Hagar and Ishmael. And God heard her. I remember being in the, the hospital of, of 
in Nairobi, Kenya, and I was sick. I had some sort of bug, and I was miserable, and I was waiting in the, the emergency room there in, in the, the hospital there in Nairobi, and the missionary said, Brent, I'm sorry, but we have to get back to church. We're going to have to leave you here. And I'll tell you, I prayed nonstop for four or five hours until the church service was over and the Harris's came back to pick me up. And I didn't dare tell my mom and dad for a while <laughs> about what happened. But I was thousands of miles away from home. This was before cell phones and the missionaries had to drive an hour back to the church. And I was in the ER and I was the only white man in the hospital. And I was sicker than a dog and I had to sit there and just I just prayed I just poured my heart out I was miserable and the the doctor was kind and I got the right medicine and and uh, the missionaries came back thank the Lord and, and picked me up and uh, I got back and got well but you know there's places like that where we're just miserable and there's a, a, a pain there's a hurt and God hears our cry here's Jonah and we're not going to be able to go any further in our our study tonight uh, due to time but here's Jonah He's in a predicament of his own making. He's been in that ship. That was bad enough in that storm. And then he's in the belly of this whale, this fish, and he's got all of that mess around him. He even talks about the, the seaweed being around his, his head in this prayer. And who knows what else is in there with him. And he's made this mess, and he knows he doesn't deserve the mercy of God. God could just... Take him from the earth right then and there and judge him for his disobedience. But Jonah prayed to the Lord, cried out from a place of deep misery, and God answered his prayer and, and rescued him from that, that, that whale, from that great fish. And that's what we have to do. We have to cry out. We have to pray to the Lord and trust that he's going to bring us through. There's some lessons along the way, isn't there? There, there's some faith that has to be strengthened and there's some purging of our lives and some pruning sometimes, but we're thankful for those, as hard as they are to go through, we're thankful for those times that teach us to, de to depend upon the Lord, to trust Him, and it, it helps us to grow if we respond in the right way as Jonah did. And what a great example. We'll come back, uh, Lord willing, next week and we'll look at uh, Jonah's contemplation and see some more lessons from this great prayer. But that's where we'll have to stop tonight due to time. Thanks for being here, and I hope that you've had a good week so far, and hope this has been a help and encouragement to you. And may the Lord bless in the remainder of the week, and as we pray uh, this week, even for the, the project and the business meeting on Sunday, look forward to being back together on Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our church family. Thank you for the time to be together tonight. Thank you for this great example from Jonah, a man who had failure in his life, and yet, Lord, he looked to you, and you used him in a great and mighty way, because he trusted you. Even though, Lord, he disobeyed initially, Lord, you used him to preach a great revival, and this prayer is a great example, and it's a reminder of even in our faults and our failures, Lord, you care for us. Help us to look to you, to cry out to you, to trust you, and to be faithful to you. Pray that you'll guide and direct in our lives the remainder of the week. Pray, Lord, for your blessings, even as we uh, look to move forward in this uh, project for our church. And we pray for uh, your guidance and direction and your will to be done there. And